Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn why norovirus beats gastroenteritis, why so many docs aren't registered with their GP, and how sick is sick enough to call in sick. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 11. How sick is sick enough to call in sick? This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we get med students, new doctors and expert guests all together in the same room to talk about all those things that we need to know to be good doctors, but that we won't really learn at medical school. I'm Lara Nunes-Mulder, and I'm a fifth year medical student at the University of Cambridge. And I used to work at the BMJ, and I started back at med school like three weeks ago. And it's, it's a lot. I mean, you guys know, you guys have been to med school, you know, you know what it's like. It's a big change. <laughs> anyway, let me introduce you to the wonderful guest today. We've got our old friend, Declan. Hi there, I'm Declan. I'm an FY1 doctor in um, Newcastle at the moment, currently doing an academic placement with occasional on-calls in the hospital. How's it been being a doctor? It's been up and down. Um, the academic stuff's pretty chilled, kind of a nine to five job, and then I just get thrown in the deep end into a specialist emergency hospital where <laughs> there's two F1 doctors to deal with 30 patients who can sometimes decide to become ill quite quickly. So definitely being thrown in the deep end, but I'm just about floating. You did okay? Yeah, yeah. A few sighs and a bit of frustration, but um, but yeah, I'm surviving. Well, I'm glad it's sighs and frustration and not like panics and tears. I haven't, I haven't cried yet, so... But have you found your crying toilet? I found a good toilet, actually. <laughs> on, my fir- on my first day, I found a good toilet. It's, it's where the A&E people get changed, so... Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty good, secluded. Good <laughs> <laughs> and so, with Declan graduating and becoming a doctor, we've got a new medical student to welcome to our team of regular Sharp Scratch podcasters, Anna Harvey. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name's Anna. I'm a final year medical student at King's College London and I'm also Laura's successor at the BMJ. Um, so I sit at your desk now, Laura. So I hope you think of that while you're oh. traipsing around the hospital. <laughs> um, but I'm really enjoying my time at the BMJ so far and this is my first time on a pod- podcast so I hope everyone's nice to me. We'll be, we'll be quite nice to you. We'll be quite nice to you. And our expert guest is James Maguire, who you might remember as our grumpy medreg from episode two, how to refer a patient without pissing off the medreg. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Um, so, yeah, I'm a geriatric medicine registrar based in South East London, um, but currently on a year out working at NHS England, NHS X. Great. Well, it's good. Really good to have you all here. So the theme of this episode and the next episode is being ill whilst being a doctor. And we're talking about this because med students and doctors, we face loads of pressures to keep working, even when we're kind of under the weather. So that might be like compulsory classes where you have to sign in, or it might be stretched rotors and exhausted colleagues, or it might be sort of pride or stigma that we kind of dress up and we call it resilience or we call it self-discipline you know I can keep going so against all this pressure how sick is sick enough to call in sick and that's what we're going to try and answer today and there's a whole other part of being sick which is you know when you're ill for a long time you need support to be able to go back to work but we're going to talk about that next episode today is really about that sort of one-off here and there sick days so have you taken any sick days yet 
Declan? I have not taken any sick days yet. Have you have you been sick? <laughs> so I've I have been sick as a well, I have been a little bit ill as a result of one of my on call shifts actually, I think. What do you mean? So I do an on call, it's meant to be twelve and a half hours. Um but it was me and another F one. It was her his first ever um weekend on call shift. And it was my like second after two weeks of doing research and not being in the hospital. So I ended up staying like staying quite late and it was pretty full on just from start to finish. I know we've spoken um tips for new docs to make sure that you get your breaks, but that is actually easier said than done, I've oh, come to realise. Yeah. So we got in the fourteen hours we got half an hour to have to have our lunch. Mm. And I was just so absolutely Sorry, sorry, sorry did you say fourteen hours? 14 hours, yeah, so it's oh. meant to be a 12 and a half hour shift oh, and end up being 14, which I know, <laughs> I know it's probably not. <laughs> I know like, it's probably, like, yeah, but yeah. yes, that ended yeah, up yeah. happening. So I was just absolutely exhausted. And the guy who I was with actually had to go and do another 12 and a half hour shift the next day, oh, which man. I would not have been able to do yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. Also, my brother, who I live with my parents at the moment, <laughs> and my brother's off from unis, he came in drunk at like <laughs> four in the morning, woke me up. So I had about like three hours sleep. If I was then expected to go into work the next day, I would not have been able to mm. do a good job whatsoever. So the next day you're a bit poorly. So I think if I had to work as my colleague did the next day, I probably wouldn't have called in sick because I know how understaffed the ward is. But I think kind of how well I would be able to treat patients, whatever, would definitely have been kind of reduced. How about you, James? Have you... Have you had days where you've sort of been a bit under the weather and gone in anyway? Um, well, I've been doing, being a doctor since 2010, so there's been a fair few sick days. Um, I remember yeah. when I was in F1, um, I was actually working on a respiratory ward, and uh, I'd never had flu before. And I was feeling, I mean, in hindsight, absolutely terrible. But it was a consultant ward round. Uh, there was one a week. So I dragged myself in and actually ended up having a rigor on the ward round and had to get sent home. <laughs> um, but now you, know, uh, you think, obviously I was unwell, but then I'd exposed all my colleagues and all the patients who'd respiratory problems. What a so in height, <laughs> but at the time you think you're doing everyone a real big favour. Mm. Um, sure. And I would probably do the same in, yeah. in your position, to be honest. And then if you think about other parts of the hospital, there are people, so say on haematology wards, they've got very yeah. poor immune system so uh, there's uh, it's a tough one mm. but uh yeah yeah i mean and then and then you know like sore sore throats flu vomiting that's sort of one thing you know everyone can get sick that's just germs and fate but then there's other things where actually you can kind of get yourself not fit for work through your own fault so i've got like a, a teammate on the rugby team for example who's a junior doctor who uh, broke a finger at training like that, I mean, she didn't mean to break a finger, but you know that she she plays a risky sport, and that meant that she couldn't work properly for a little while. And then you know, how about um, how about if you are really hungover, like you can't you can't really call in sick for that when you're a doctor. That's super unprofessional, right? That's sorry, I'm, Declan, I am looking at you, but it's not, <laughs> no. it's not an accusation. Oh no, you pr- just I would you, say you probably out, shouldn't yeah. go out drinking before a shift. Yeah, I would yeah, exactly, exactly. In my professional opinion, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, like, yeah, you know, that kind of thing happens at med school, but it's not really, yeah. It's not really like a lot. You you can't. Yeah. So I mean, have you? When's the last time you were had to not go in for placement because you were poorly for whatever reason? 
I think when I was on my paediatrics rotation, so you're about to do peds, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wash your hands. Um, (laughs) Everyone everyone I know got sick on peds because obviously the paediatric population has all of those like bugs that you're not necessarily exposed to unless you have lots of kids around. Fortunately, I've got lots of younger brothers and sisters, so I seem to be immune to it. And I was sort of (laughs) felt like I had this shield of warding off these infections while everyone I know had a cold. Um, But I did a special selected module on um, the neonatal intensive care unit as well. And the um, ward sister would stand at the front of the ward and look at you as you came in. And if you looked under the weather, she would tell you to go home. Um, oh it never goodness. happened to me. Wow. But what if you just like colleagues. decided not to wear makeup for a day and just looked? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I look rough anyway. Man. <laughs> I mean, I, I did think that um, it was a bit savage, um, but there was this like sort of entrance area where you had to like take off all of your outside clothes and fully sort of basically scrub. Um, before you could go in and she would always be standing there with a stern look yeah, on her yeah. face um, so you wouldn't dare turn up if you if you looked like you had a cold which mm-hmm. meant that the attendance for this ssc was quite poor because yeah. it was in the winter oh so. dear yeah yeah so if you've got a sniffle you kind of put off mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't but get again at. you know it's it's not important for you to be there when you're yeah. a medical student and i think saying about you know being hungover and stuff if you're hungover you feel like you can still sort of turn up to the ward as a medical student because you don't really have any responsibilities so you can just sort of grit your teeth and get through that morning and and go and have some lunch and a coffee and hopefully not go back in the afternoon but you can't do that if you're a real doctor Mm. so at least I assume um yeah well you have to well we'll come on to it shortly but it's all about making sure your team and know what's going on and um, so that they can prepare as best they can. So, I mean, why is it that it's kind of hard to call in sick? I mean, you mentioned very briefly at the beginning, there's a kind of pride about being a doctor. Um, and I think sometimes when you admit you're sick, you're kind of almost admitting you're crossing that invisible line and becoming a patient in some ways. And actually, there is something in that. Um, I think also... There's kind of evidence to show that doctors move around quite a lot, um, especially when you're a junior doctor. And many people don't sign up to have a GP. I don't know. Do you have a GP? Um, yeah, I signed up two days ago. <laughs> but a lot of my... I, so even now, a lot of my colleagues at my level don't have GPs, um, which means you can't really access services if you need them. Mm. That seems so weird. Weird that like a doctor who's been through med school and understands like all the benefits of having access to healthcare doesn't get registered. I can't quite understand the reasoning behind that, why people wouldn't. I think, especially when you first move, so when you first move to your next trust, you, on that first day, you'll have induction, you'll be, potentially people are moving their whole lives across mm. quite a, like a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these sorts of things drop down Priority priorities. Wise, yeah. And a lot of people have never had to use a GP. Um, and so it just doesn't really come. Yeah. That's a good mind. point. The yeah, bottom why, of the list, why did you wait till two days ago to get registered? Yeah, this kind to of, be honest, yeah. yeah, I've been a bit busy, yeah. and yeah. and that's pretty much it. To yeah. be fair, I went on a day when I'm doing my research. So I guess if I was in the <laughs> hospital, it, it would be actually practically quite hard. Quite difficult to, find to get the in there during working hours. Actually, yeah. well, yeah, that's the other thing. So because we do shifts and. Uh, there's that kind of pride aspect and we all want to go into work it's actually quite hard to take time off to go to a doctor's appointment um, without having to go through the whole big thing of announcing to your team Mm. that you're not well Mm. I mean Declan you you mentioned that 
you'd have gone into work if you're you know in that sort of hypothetical situation that you'd had mm. to go in for another 12 hour 12 and a half hour shift the yeah. day after your first one that you'd have probably still gone in anyway like what yeah, what definitely. for you kind of makes you so sure about that because of the lack of staff that we'll have i don't as as a medical student i mean you hear on the news and whatever the nhs is understaffed but i never fully appreciated it until i started working um like if i didn't if i didn't go in on the next day there would be one consultant and one F1, the consultant would probably be off the ward doing other things, endoscopy or something. So this F1 would be left to to do it all. And we left like an hour and a half late anyway, and when there was two of us, like working together well without having our breaks, as we should have. So if I didn't turn up, I would have just left him to deal with all of that. I highly doubt they would have been able to get anyone else in. So I would feel, I would feel so bad on that guy leaving him, so... So I would just like just grit and bear it, really, just so for him, like, really. It's kind of like team loyalty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, just I mean, that's, yeah, you just that's kind of what you've got to do because you know how bad it would be if you didn't turn up. Does it get any easier as you get more senior? Maybe I guess you, as a registrar, you get a closest relationship with your consultant, um, and so often you my role is closer to what a consultant would be doing so actually um if the consultant's around and i'm not there it's not such a big deal um but i know for do you mean because the consultant can kind of like absorb some of your responsibilities yeah so it's like similar to decision making and troubleshooting stuff um and as a reg if actually if you're sxo or sorry the core trainees or the foundation doctors are unwell you can kind of almost do some of their roles as well so you can mm. kind of help up and help down um but i i know what you mean about the f1s um if you, and the shows. so if someone's sick at that level it's kind of can be a bit more difficult especially if you don't have a registrar around yeah exactly and i think just because it's early in our kind of, it's our first rotation we yeah. wrote it was his first weekend oh yeah so to then put him on his second weekend on his own is just yeah you kind of think you wouldn't want that for yourself and so you wouldn't want to do unfair. it someone else and although i say i would be worse at my job feeling unwell doing it but i would be better than nothing i think mm. so i'd be able to help somewhat mm. by turning up oh, that's rough also kind of an additional thing is i have no idea how the hell to call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, there I could help you. Especially, <laughs> especially on a weekend. Like, who do you call on a Sunday? <laughs> to say, I actually, yeah, yeah, and I actually don't know the phone number for my ward or whatever. I guess he's got a switchboard, maybe. But, yeah, the practicality of doing it would also be pretty difficult. Well, what a good job that we're all here together today <laughs> to, to learn, learn that. <laughs> I love to learn. <laughs> James, do you think it's any different calling in sick or being poorly whilst you're a hospital doctor compared to, you know, someone who's working on a ward compared to someone who says running a bunch of clinics, whether that's in a hospital or in a GP practice or something? Do you think there's a big difference? Yeah, there's massive difference. So on a ward, as we kind of talked about before, you've got a whole team. So if someone's sick, the rest of a team can kind of help out. So either the consultant, the registrar, the SHOs can help out, um, plug the gaps. But when you've got a clinic, there's a whole set of patients that are there just to see you. And if you don't turn up, someone's got to see them. Um, and in places like a GP practice, there are limited people around. Um, and so, yeah, it's something has to be done, basically. Someone needs to organise what's going to happen. Yeah. 
or cancel a whole or cancel day a whole of patients who yeah. then need a need another appointment. Who might have been waiting three weeks for a GP appointment? Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, I, I was thinking about this, and I spoke to my pal Tom Nolan, and he's a GP. He's a really great guy. I once showed him this weird yeah. lump on my finger, and he was super nice about it. You can't see it from there, can you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, I did just put my middle finger into Declan's face. But it has got a weird lump on it. But yeah, it's nothing. But he was super nice about it. He really made me feel reassured. Anyway. So you're saying that we can go to Tom with all our minor <laughs> ailments and we don't have to sign up to it. Yeah, GP. I mean, that's true. <laughs> we can just ask our colleagues. I'm sure. No, mm, yeah, no definitely sign up to your own personal GP. Sign up to your own GP, guys. But anyway, Tom, lovely guy. And I talked to him about whether, about a time that you know, he went to work when he was a bit under the weather. So here he is, here's his story. So when I was a GP registrar, I woke up one day and had this horrible rash on my legs. Um, Over the next couple of days, it developed basically into quite a bad cellulitis with with an ulcer in it as well. It was very odd because I never had anything like that before. I didn't feel that unwell with it though. And although I was on quite strong antibiotics, I remember just not really thinking whether I should be at work and just going into work anyway. So it wasn't getting better, so eventually I had to get the leg swabbed and needed to have various different courses of antibiotics before it eventually did clear up. But I didn't take any time off work. With the cellulitis, I think the main worry I had was would I be failing my colleagues and my patients by not going in to work and, and seeing that day's patients? probably wasn't thinking enough about myself my recovery my longer term recovery from from the condition um but also you know the, is there a risk to, to to patients you know the, the the leg was was bandaged and dressed and i was on antibiotics but um i think there was probably a, the, the the problem probably was that i was thinking too much about letting people down and not enough about other other things Anna, why are you making funny faces after listening to that? Because of, it just seems slightly ridiculous that he woke up one morning and there was cellulitis on his leg, including an ulcer, and didn't think, best ring in sick. Just thought, <laughs> I'll just put, I'll put a plaster on it and just <laughs> see how it goes. I don't know. I, I, I would just, it would just seemed very worrying to me. Yeah. I think as doctors, we're quite good at downplaying things. So, um he must see cellulitis all the time and uh, kind of that thing about not realising how serious something is uh, is definitely common. Mm. I guess, as you were saying before, uh, in hospitals there's really sick people and so when you've just got a cough or a cold or whatever it might be, actually you will tend to just downplay it and uh, think mm. it's not that bad. And, and doctors, correct me if I'm wrong, but like cellulitis takes quite a long while to resolve, particularly if you've got an ulcer in it, right? Like it takes quite a while to get better. So like, just think of all that time that he might have had to take off if he decided to stay at home. Like that had been, as a GP registrar, that had been a lot of appointments mm. cancelled. Mm. And then, that, yeah, that could have, I don't know how, what the area is like where he works, but that could have been quite difficult for his practice. Yeah, I can kind of, I know you say it's ridiculous and it is ridiculous, but I, I can see his logic behind it. It's funny how we can like think both things at the same time. Mm. We can be like, oh, I can see why he did that. But also at the same time, like, why the hell did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> both yeah, yeah. Both kind of true. But in a way, like it is really important to acknowledge that when you go into work and you're poorly, you are super contagious, right? Not if you're hungover. <laughs> not, if you're, <laughs> not if you're hungover. Okay. But if you've got if you've got an infection, if you've got a, a, 
an infected leg or if you've got a cold mm. or if you've had a little vom. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's just kind of trying to balance what you think. Like, yes, you're contagious and you may... Uh, I, I don't advocate for going to work when you're ill, but you might get one patient sick. But then at least you're seeing these 50 patients. Ooh, Declan, I know, but I'm, not, not that I'm saying I, not that I'm saying I, I would not that I'm saying that's a, an adequate justification. But I can see how mm. people could weigh it up like that if yeah. you're under yeah. if you're under certain pressures by your GP to see your patients. Not that I, I would do that. <laughs> I would say context is everything. Yeah. So if you're in a really busy shift or you've got a really busy shift and you know that you're going to be really needed and you've got a cough or maybe got a cold brewing then you that's quite different to if you're working in a specialist hematology unit where yeah the mm. patients you're looking after have zero immune system yes. so a cold might kill them mm. um, and so it's kind of all dependent on that yeah and about how much capacity there is in your team and all this other stuff go should be going through your mind i, I guess so it sounds like there's basically a lot of gray areas here so i called up an infectious disease specialist to ask whether it really is a big deal or not to go into work when you're feeling a bit poorly but that will be right after this how much do you care about indemnity right now probably not a lot you're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients but being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity we can be there if something goes wrong but we're also here to help make sure things go right too we're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. So, who better to talk to than an infectious disease specialist to ask how sick is sick enough to call in sick? Oh, sorry, I love saying that. I'm just going to say it as many times as I can. And, uh, and and what's wrong with going to work if you are poorly? So here's Sarah Wiley. My role is in the terms of the diagnosis, the management and prevention of infection. So obviously I'm head of the lab at Portsmouth and I'm dealing with the diagnosis, the correct diagnosis of infection, but also advising on management and then as infection control doctor, the prevention of transmission of infection. Anybody can acquire an infection at any age um, from any background and obviously healthcare workers are not exempt from um, um, not acquiring an infection. So I have heard of junior medical staff coming to work, feeling unwell, vomiting in the toilet, and then going back to deal with the patients. And obviously that is not um, appropriate. That is a risk to their other colleagues and to the patients because they are infectious and they're acutely ill and they should go home. Healthcare workers are obviously really... Um, keen and proud of their roles and they want to come back and, and do their job as soon as possible but we have to appreciate that we can shed virus for some time after resolution of acute symptoms and it's especially true with um, viral gastroenteritis um, it can shed um, the virus particularly for example norovirus for several days after symptoms have resolved 
So that's why there is a clear cutoff of 48 hours symptom-free from gastroenteritis before a member of staff should return to work. Obviously, every trust has policies in place um, to say that um, healthcare workers should not come to work if they feel unwell or they have a fever and they should phone in sick and discuss with their manager. Um, in terms of um, diarrhea and vomiting, it's obviously quite easy to tell whether you have those symptoms, but with many respiratory infections, they're a little less um, clear, clear cut, you know, just a bit of shortness of breath or a cough. Um, it could be any number of a viral respiratory infections, including influenza. It looked like, James, that you found some of those scenarios quite relatable. Um, I was just recalling times when I was an F1 and one of my colleagues had to run to the toilet to be sick on the ward round. And uh, it's that kind of fear of like, have I got it off them? Because they've been on the ward round for an hour before, whether they're just hung over. <laughs> <laughs> Were they sent home? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. So they didn't come back and do their job like Sarah Wiley was telling us. I've heard people do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a kind of similar situation. It's not um, in the medical context, but I worked at a summer camp um, and it was residential. We had 120 children and one of the members of staff had been vomiting and she was insistent she was going to go back to work. And my worst nightmare was that this 120 children all got norovirus mm. oh my goodness, and I imagine? actually got the guidelines up and I was like look you need to go and sit in your room until you've not vomited for 48 hours because I cannot have these children all getting sick because mm. it would have just been awful we were all sharing bathrooms as well and mm. ugh. I mean before and interesting point so it isn't just you your team and your patients norovirus can shut whole hospitals uh and so there is that kind of organizational uh, responsibility as well so you need to if you've got diarrhea and vomiting steer clear of hospital but 48 hours is like quite a long time to be well and to be feeling that pressure mm. have you have you ever sort of pushed the boundaries of that I've had norovirus once and it was when I was in sick form and I still acutely remember how unwell I felt um but the next day was um the like sixth form Christmas dinner and <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't vomited for yeah. at least 36 hours so I thought it was okay but I did I did go to the Christmas dinner and yeah. no one else I knew got sick apart yeah, from yeah. like my whole family yeah but they shared, <laughs> they shared a bathroom yeah, with yeah. me so I was definitely the first one to get it yeah but I think having that one experience I was just like anyone who's vomiting just needs to stay away from me because yeah, yeah. it was so horrific I don't know if any of you guys the first you, you're time, nodding the first time you <laughs> have norovirus you yeah yeah people You'll think it's it. just, have oh, you had you it before? just a bit <laughs> of vomiting i've had diary and vomiting that went around a house but i'm not sure norovirus i got, I got it the least severely out of everyone in the house norovirus is a different norovirus is like is. you could have an endoscopy after norovirus and they would see everything <laughs> <laughs> fully <laughs> emptied out yeah <laughs> But you look great in your dress no, for the uh, no, no, Anna, no, not cool. I'm not advocating Wow, it. no. <laughs> so we're all very clear on the boundaries, the guidelines. We don't cross that line. We mm. stay in our rooms 48 hours. We keep everyone safe. But then what about negotiating that sort of, that more grey area of respiratory systems that Sarah Wiley answered? Like, James, what, what do you use in your own life like to guide yourself when you've got a tickly throat, to when you've got a cough, to when you've got like a sniffle, to when you've got snot running out of your face. Like, how do you, like, what, in that scale, how do you take time off? It's really hard. Um, 
I would say in my job as an elderly care registrar, director, medicine registrar, um, you know, I would probably go in with a cold. Um, it will depend how unwell I feel generally. So if I start feeling like muscle aches or, or a very, fever, very tired like that's what Sarah or fevers, yeah, yeah. then I probably would stay home. Um, I mean, is there a way, for example, if you're a doctor and you've got a cold, is there a way for you to see patients less and like do yeah. jobs more like admin jobs like discharge summaries or whatever? So going back to when I, I, I worked on the haematology ward for a while, one of the SHOs, uh, she just WhatsApped us one morning to say, don't feel very well, I've got sniffle, uh, cold, but I'm going to come and sit in the office and do admin. Um so that was her way of kind of still helping and yeah. still doing some work, but not. There's still a risk that you infect your colleagues, though. You know, like yeah, keyboards never I think get wiped she... down and stuff. Yeah, still a really tricky sort of grey area. Exactly. And I guess the other thing I wonder is like, do you um, do you think you get better quick more quickly if you have that day off rather than coming in and then you're potentially like lengthening your illness? So it depends what you've got unwell with. So for example, with the cellulitis. Um, having being sat upright and having your legs down is going to make uh, your blood pool in your legs and make it slower to heal so actually <laughs> uh, being at home for that sort of thing may actually help I guess respiratory uh, it would depend so what Sarah Wiley mentioned at the end of her little clip there was uh, that if you're feeling well you should call your manager and call in sick but Anna, when you become a doctor, are you going to have any idea of how to call in sick? Have you got a vague? No, I don't even know if you can, Can are you able to get someone else to come in instead of you? Because from what you guys have been saying, it sounds like that's not really a possibility. And, and Declan, how about you? Do you? Do you... <laughs> I probably should know how to do. In my induction, <laughs> we went, it's actually interesting that we're doing this um, topic because like four days or something, four days ago or something, um, we all have an F1 WhatsApp group. And someone messaged exactly that. Like, I'm feeling well. Does anyone know what I have to do? And no one, no one, no knew. one knew. So it wasn't part of your induction. Well, no, it wasn't part of our induction at all. No that one, like... no one mentioned it whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, like I know I've got a, I know I've got two supervisors. I've got a rotor coordinator. I would, you could probably call the ward. That's probably what I would do. But I have no idea like how it's properly meant to be done. Is but, that is that kind of classic? A lot of hospitals don't actually have kind of a structured approach when you're sick, so it's really unclear for junior doctors about what to do. The main thing is you need to let your team know that you're not coming in, and it is just about how you do that. So um, if that's through WhatsApp or emailing your consultant or phoning them if you have their mobile phone number, anything you can do to let your clinical team know that you're not there for that day, because that is going to change how they they run their day so it might be that one less person goes to clinic or you know they change around how if you're on surgery who's doing operations that there's stuff they can do in that moment when they first start or even on the way into work where they can start planning their day so the earlier you can let someone know you're not well to work the better so step one when you're ill let your team know get in contact with your Mm. clinical team all right, we're going to ask you more, more and more simple questions yeah. about how exactly we go about calling in sick. But first, let me just quickly tell you listeners how much we appreciate you listening to Sharp Scratch. We appreciate you so, so much. And we want you to know it. So we've teamed up with Unexamination to give you a discount on all their question banks. So if you've not heard of it, 
on examination is a question bank for medical exams. Uh, and I know that for me, practice exams just give so much more gains than staring at a textbook. Um, and personally, I both love and hate that it reminds me every single morning to do at least one personalised exam question. Because now I'm back at medical school, the motivation has gone right down and I really do just need that daily nudge <laughs> to, to keep on top of the studying. And, uh, and now on examination has given us all a special sharp scratch discount of 15%. So if you're going for, say, the prescribing safety test, then you'll pay £8.50 instead of £10 for a six-month subscription. And the discounts are across all student exams and for those new docs listening, the MRCP Part 1 as well. So head to the student section of onexamination.com, select your exam and enter sharp scratch at the checkout for a 15% discount. That's 15% off on examination with a promo code of sharp scratch, which is all caps, no spaces. All right, back to calling in sick. How'd you do it? <laughs> what the, What's the first thing you do? So the first thing we established when you're, when you're feeling under the weather is that you let your team know straight away. Do you do that if you're at a maybe stage? If I'm like, oh, maybe tomorrow I won't be so well. Do I let people know the night before? It depends on... Uh, so all my answers are always a bit caveated. So it'll depend on the shift that you're going to do. So if it's a normal day shift uh, and you're feeling not great, it's often good to just let your colleagues know that you're not feeling that well and you may be sick. Um, and kind of over phoning your re- your consultant. Usually I recommend phoning the most senior person, so your consultant. If it's an on-call shift, then it's completely different. Um, so if you're feeling like you're going to be getting unwell and you've got an on-call shift in a day or two, you probably should let a se- someone senior in the department know that you're going to be unwell, possibly, so that they can possibly, you know, get someone in to cover the shift if if it's possible. So if you if you're poorly, is it your responsibility to make sure someone else can cover you? No, the department should help do that. So. Um, they shouldn't be asking you to help cover shifts if you're unwell. Because I can imagine that'd be super tricky if you're like dying, hanging mm. out your ass, and then like trying to. Yeah, like I, really I could, stressful. I could definitely let my colleagues know. My other F ones and my CMTs, I could let, I could let them know. What's a CMT? Sorry, core, core med- medical training. Yeah. Um, but I definitely don't have the phone number of my consultants. You don't. Have, yeah, see, that's what. I, so you're saying we should call our consultant, but you don't have. No. No, and but I can't. And actually, I can't. Who is I, your consultant? Do you have a award ha- that you're assigned well, to? Well, I'm assigned academic. to a ward, and there's about six consultants who come and go. I've not met most of them, so I wouldn't actually be able to know who was going to be my consultant for that day because I'm how? on academic and only in on the weekends. How would so you go would about like finding out who's consultant on the weekend? I would message probably I'd message my F ones and see if <laughs> any of those know. <laughs> But, so, so, so most hospitals will get a rotor sent out for the for weekends or on calls, and so you should be able to work out who the consultant is. Who does that get sent out to? Uh, most of the it should be sent out to staff, but it will depend on the hospital you work in, yeah, even the yeah. department. Everyone's different. I mean, out of hours, the, the person in charge of the hospital is the site manager, who's often a senior nurse, very senior nurse, and um, the default is to speak to them just so someone in the hospital knows that you're unwell. The worst, I, I mean, it happens sometimes as a med reg, you turn up for your shift and there's like a rumour between the F1s that someone's not well and no one's phoned you or any of the regs that, you know, obviously you kind of have a baton bleat where you hand over to each other. No one's told you anything and it's all just rumours. And then at 10.30, three hours into the shift, you don't know whether someone's going to turn up or not. And there's no opportunity to hire or ask anyone else to come in and cover. Mm. This is quite frustrating. So um, making That's sure... That's bad, though. Like, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that at any other job. 
over a year, as obviously you're working with kind of the same set of doctors, if you are that person that doesn't quite call in or uh, you don't go through the processes and make you don't follow up with emails or you don't speak to the right person, you kind of, some people do get reputations for not, you know, coming into their shifts. I mean, but it sounds tough though, like to be able to follow the right way of doing things because talking about it, it doesn't seem like there is a really clear way to do it. Correct me if I've gotten it wrong. So you can let your team know quite easily with like the group WhatsApp, your yeah. peers, the people who are on a sort of similar training level too, because you might have that kind of WhatsApp group going. You should let someone as soon as you can in your department know. But Declan's saying it'd be quite difficult to know who that is and know yeah. how to get hold of them. Yeah. But you should you should give that a go. You should try. Right. After that, it's the site manager. Is that is that the, the title of the person? So I would go work out who the consultant covering that shift is. So if it's an on-call shift, you should have a rotor. If it's your day job, you should have a ward consultant and try and get contact with them through switchboard unless you have their mobile phone number. Ah, oh, switchboard, yes. Switchboard, actually. Yeah, we've encountered switchboard here before. They often yeah, yeah. Want, so they yeah. are often blockers, people being put through to consultants, but as they get to, they get to know all the junior doctors from mm. their voice, right. they will <laughs> let you through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, especially if you explain what's going on. Yeah. Uh, then if you can't get in contact with your consultant, then you try your registrar. You probably should have your registrar's number. Most people should. Get it, Declan. Go just if start collecting ask, people's numbers. Yeah. Most registrars should. It's probably because I'm not happen. doing weekdays. I feel like if I had more of a regular schedule, yeah, I probably, I say, I like, probably yeah, would. Yeah, with just five shifts, it's yeah, kind of hard. I, to. I was in a WhatsApp would. group with my consultant on my last rotation, and I'm obviously I'm a medical student. Yeah. But also it went the other way because he would be like, "Where is everyone? Mm. Why are you not at clinic?" Yeah. <laughs> if you're on, if, <laughs> yeah. If you're on call, it would be speak to the site manager. And if you can't get in contact with them... How, but how do you... Is that through Switchboard, switchboard again? Switchboard again, yeah. Okay, yeah sure, they'll yeah. they'll put you in contact with everyone. So if you can't get in contact with site manager, and if you're on call, you probably should be speaking to the registrar or the consultant who's on call as well. I mean, in, in a practical sense, on call, it's easier to get hold of the registrar because the consultant on call is less likely to, to be that bothered because I guess some of them will be, but some of them will... Like if you're a surgical consultant, you're just bothered about whether you need to operate on someone or not. It's depend. Yeah. Um, but either way, you should always follow up with an email to your consultant and probably the person who's in charge of the rotor, with who you've spoken to, what you know, when you yeah. think you're likely to be well again, and uh, yeah. just kind of round off in case anyone tries to cause any problems. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who is in charge of your rotor? No. <laughs> I assume that lady who we just talked about, the senior nurse. Um, well, actually, no, sorry, we do. We've got, we've got a rotor coordinator. So, yeah, so you actually, know, yeah. yes, I do. I do know. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> How I would contact her would be a little bit difficult, but switchboard would probably save the day. I yeah, imagine. yeah. And then, but in those sort of situations, often email is, people check their emails mm. so much now. Mm. Um and it's useful because some t- for training, for example, you need to list how many days you've been sick in a year. Yeah. Weirdly, I don't know why they need to know. Because you're, I think you're, if you've got a certain number, then they have to, you have to do additional. Yeah, I think you can't. I, I may be wrong, but I think you can't f- um, finish F one, go on to F two, unless you've done the whole year with less than twenty something days of sick. That's kind of intense. Which I think, if you're on, if you're close to it, would be another reason for why people wouldn't call in sick. Yeah, the repercussions could be pretty. And what about pay? Um, you are covered with sick pay. Yeah, 
I don't know the technicalities of that. You should check your contract. But um, <laughs> inter- and also interestingly, if you're you can self-certify sick for up to five days, so you don't need a doctor's note or anything. But when you if you're reaching five days, and you'll probably touch on this in your next podcast, you need to start thinking about seeing a doctor because after that you probably will need to have some sort of note to explain why you've been away that long. So five days is kind of limit at which you should be thinking about going to see a GP. James, when you're calling in, when you're on the phone with someone, have you got any tips for like kind of phrases or ideas that you use when someone on the other end of the phone is kind of piling on the pressure of you to come in? I mean, most of the time people won't pressure you in. Has that been your experience that you... I would so, say so. This kind of sounds like a lot of the pressure that we feel as medic, medical students and doctors kind of self-imposed. It would depend on the team you work for. So there are some specialties, I don't want to name names, but some specialties that kind of see themselves as kind of people who will do whatever they need to do to you know, help their patients. And actually, you may find in those sorts of teams that people do come in. But then they may also have a camaraderie type thing where they will cover each other. So yeah. it will all just... It, it, it. I think you've got to be true to yourself and work out whether or not you think you're well enough to do your job. And if you can't, you've just got to do what you can do. At the end of the day, it's about patient safety, right? If you're not going to be a safe doctor or if you're going to be shedding some sort of horrible virus that's going to put your patients in danger, then you shouldn't be at work. So what I'm taking away from this is that if you're on the phone and someone, for whatever reason of their own, is sort of making you feel a bit pressured to go in, that your best tool to resist any pressure you might feel is to basically be really clear about the reasons that you need to be off sick and thinking about patient safety. But should you should you have to tell somebody the reason um, you're being off sick? I mean, there's kind mm. of, you may want to keep your medical issues kind of private and confidential. And also, uh, I, know, I know someone who has a condition which is fairly undiagnosed, kind of gets muscle cramps and pains and there's probably some rheumatological thing going on but mm. should you feel like you have to give the exact details I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting it's point. It, like Maybe difficult. there's less, it, you don't feel so bad about disclosing when it's like, when you've got D&V or when you've got a cold, mm. but then when it starts coming to long-term stuff, yeah, yeah. things can feel a bit more personal. Mm. I guess that's the kind of area we're going to go into next episode a bit yeah. more. I think one thing that might help me feel more empowered to take take time off if I was feeling unwell would be and I think I'm going to take this away from here and and go and do this look up a bit of the data on the impacts of going to work when you're poorly and having some idea of what the research shows is the impact of presenteeism as they call it Mm. you know going to work when maybe you shouldn't be at work Um, I think that might help me feel a bit more empowered to say that I'm poorly and speak up and to not and I guess give you a justification as well for for not exactly exactly just attach them to your email, to your... Exactly. <laughs> Please, Please read it. the following five papers about yeah. why I shouldn't come to work. One of the things I tend to do is just ask my, my closest friends. I just say, I've got this, this and this. What do you think? Shall I go to work or not? And then they will often say, no. <laughs> uh, but having yeah. a kind of people, obviously the closest doctors? friend, a mix of people. Yeah. So like um, one, of my friend, one of my best friends is a nurse and so we'll just talk and I'll say, yeah. I don't feel this well or whatever and it's quite good to have people who will be your yeah Declan next time you feel poorly check. just drop me a text and I'll oh, just dude. send you a cat box message saying <laughs> I've been vomiting and diarrhea and all night <laughs> should I go to work no Declan stay at home <laughs> self care <Yeah. laughs> 
Anna, coming to the end, what do you think you're going to take away mostly from today's episode? Um, I guess just like when I start work as a doctor, just find out who it is I actually need to contact if I am ill because it's just a bit of added pressure, isn't it? When you're already feeling a bit under the weather and then you're sort of like, oh my God, I don't actually know who I need to contact, how I need to do this. So sort of getting that sorted out um, so you know what you're doing. I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to try and get as many numbers as I can in the first few days of my job. Just oh, like, you will, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Try and get everyone's phone numbers, consultants, registrars, my fellow F1s. You want to be careful asking for them, though. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to episode, I think it's episode 10, <laughs> no, episode 9 uh, about relationships mm. where I accidentally asked a guy out on the rugby pitch one time oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was so yeah maybe try and avoid that particular awkward situation with my uh, senior doctors but yeah how about you Declan what are you gonna are you gonna go and try and get some more phone numbers yeah I mean when I'm back in the hospital yeah but I guess th- I guess the main thing that I'll take back is just that I will take from this is kind of just I guess try to take a step back from from the si- like the situation and look at it as if it was a colleague or something and just mm. be like realistically is this something that you should be doing or not sounds wise that's all from us on sharp scratch today if you'd like to hear more from us then subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll get our next episode straight to your phone and while you wait check us out on social media we're bmj student on twitter facebook and instagram Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag SharpScratch because we would really, really love to hear your ideas for things that we could cover on later on in the season. It's also so helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it really does help other med students find the show. Next time, as you know, we'll be talking about being a sick doctor. Until then, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Bye. And bye from me. (laughs) 